Hey, Kara. Hey, Rebecca. <laughs> How are you? This I'm fine good. morning, October morning. I know, October morning. Um, this weekend was beautiful, but now it's kind of gray out. Oh my god, what you a know? beautiful weekend. I Ugh. know, I know. Um, I wanted to say thank you because you helped me out tremendously this past weekend with my... I'm going to put it out there because we talked about manifesting things with my thesis film, which is still like not done yet. I know, I know. It's kind of crazy, but I just wanted to say thank you because we talk about, we were talking with a film composer today and it's kind of related, not really, but since you were my film composer and you, (laughs) not only did we like wrap that this week, but you also helped me with some small fine finishing touches. So I just wanted to say thank you for that. Oh my gosh. You're my FCP anytime. (laughs) I will do anything for you. Oh, thank um, you. Thank it's you. Been, it, it's been surreal, like, wrapping the music end of your film. Yeah. Just yeah. because, like, yeah. I've, as not only your composer, but I, I think as, like, your close friend, I've heard, I've been hearing about this, like, for so long. I know. Isn't and I was crazy? like, I feel like I was with you at, like, every stage of the process. Yeah. I kind of forced you to be there. <laughs> no. I mean, I would have been there voluntarily, too. It's It yeah. was but such a privilege to, like, have, oh. you know, to be part of that process, not only as your composer, but as your friend. And, yeah. yeah. yeah uh, what we discussed you. this weekend is was just, like, the little cherry on top. Top. Yeah. That is yeah. going to go on to your film. And I'm just so excited for for everyone to see this film because it is so special thank and it's amazing and thank you stay tuned thank you. stay tuned everyone anyway um <laughs> so we just need to get the gushy feelings at the beginning um gotta get we, the gushy feelings out. Get we're out. also like little, it's really early at the it's morning really early. <laughs> <laughs> not early anymore but we, we got up early we got up saying. really early um, and both of us yeah. really like our insomnia collectively was just a bitch last night. But you know, hey, you know, <laughs> maybe it's just being an artist that it's like this. Yeah, um, maybe. But um, anyway, I'll let you take the intro since you you uh, know this person personally. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm really really excited to introduce our next guest. You know, as soon as you know Kara and I started this podcast. Um, I was really keen on having her on. Her name is Noga Rotem. She is a film composer, a voice artist, vocal session singer. Wait, a session, <laughs> session, a session singer. Singer, yeah. A session singer. Um, you know, she she's based in London. She is so amazing, and she says so many fantastic things amazing. in our conversation. Um, yeah. And yeah. so I'm really excited for everyone to hear our conversation. Yeah, so I hope you enjoy. It's it's Noga's incredible. So My name is Noga Rotem. I'm a film composer, session singer, and voice artist, and I'm based in London. Well, we are so lucky to have you. I mean, when we first started this podcast, you were, you know, one of the first people that came to my mind because we I'm went honored. to our, we went to World College of Music together, and you were one of the first people that I met, and you were just so amazing and so welcoming and so talented, and I really looked up to you. Um, and you did some amazing things during the pandemic as well um, with sharing your music and also some really cool gigs um, with your, you know, doing your voice sessions. So 
we'd love to get into that but we usually typically start at the beginning yeah. <laughs> of your story <laughs> um so would you mind um letting us know like how you got into film music how you got into composing and singing like what inspired you to pursue this as a career well, I started playing piano from a young age when I was seven. Um, and I started singing in a professional choir when I was nine. Uh, we formed in Israel and all over the world. I'm originally from Israel. Um, and these two combinations of playing and singing was a great kind of starting point for me into composition. Um, when I was roughly 15, I started composing. My friends started writing lyrics. They just handed them to me and they kind of went, well, you know how to play, you know how to sing, maybe you can compose. And I went, ah, okay, <laughs> um, I'll try. And I did. And, and I, I remember listening a lot to Elton John and realizing that he doesn't write his own lyrics. And I kind of went, okay, I can do this. Then I can just be a composer um, and a singer. Um, yeah. And then going into film composition, I was in my volunteering year after high school mm -hmm. and I stumbled upon the two DVDs of The Lion King and Pirates of the Caribbean. And I love kind of checking out all the making of mm -hmm. and seeing how they made everything. And I just saw the making of the score and both of them are Hans Zimmer. And the way he spoke about um, creating different thematic material for each character or each uh, atmosphere and stuff like that, I just went, oh my God. And I love film, I love TV. Um, I got that love from my grandma, and I got the music love from my mom, who's an opera singer. Wow. Um, so yeah, that was kind of the click point for me. Um, searched Berkeley, um, that was it. I applied <laughs> to Berkeley alone, got in, fortunately, and I applied as well afterwards to RCM, the only school, and unfortunately got in as well. Yeah, that's it. Wow. Amazing. I love... Rebecca is also was hugely influenced by The Lion King. We grew up together, and so I just remember that so strongly yeah. about Rebecca, which is pretty yeah. awesome. It's pretty great. Love that yeah. film. Yeah, it's a beautiful so score. Yeah. In our in our last interview, we were talking about how like I used to cry to it on a daily basis, and like sometimes I will still cry to it when I'm listening. So I get really emotional from the score and from the songs, and yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge crier. I don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> Me too, me too. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a good way to like Yeah, of get out of it, I think. It's very healthy. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yes, exactly. Especially as artists, you know, it's good to be in touch with your emotions. I feel exactly. <laughs> sure. Um I love that your friend was like, here, you can figure it out. And I love how you touched upon like that, um, watching those particularly the Lion King and, and Pirates of the Caribbean, the, the BTS footage for it. But like, what is it specifically about sort of either film or narrative driven music that inspires you that, that you're drawn to? I love storytelling. Uh, it's always been a huge part of my life as well. Um, as a kid, I would just start writing stories and mm -hmm. make belief. And I have a huge imagination. I don't know for better or worse, but I'm very imaginative. Um, so storytelling through music was such a brilliant aspect of my love for storytelling and my mm -hmm. love for music and that combination. Mm -hmm. um, and especially with visuals, I loved how um, you can really be touched by a film or a TV series or any mm -hmm. kind of media. Um, and that combination of me not being able to obviously direct or produce or stuff like that, but the only way I can actually tell the story through music and um, and, you know, a lot of times I kind of go, well, without the music, the movie wouldn't fit or work. 
you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of like the glue at the end, and obviously you need all the departments. You can't make a film only just with music, but um, it's a huge part of it, and I and I love how it kind of ch- touches everyone, mm-hmm. especially when you kind of go, and John Williams is a huge inspiration of mine as well, mm-hmm. and it's amazing to see how people really um, gravitate towards his scores and how they just remember the themes because they're so memorable and, and amazing. And, of course, um, yeah. So yeah, that was kind of my connection with the storytelling. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really special. I'm, my background knows this. I love music and film. Kara's <laughs> <laughs> a um, filmmaker. I'm yeah. not sure if we, I've pressed this up before, but... Oh, um, yeah. 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 Um, All my friends in college were always listening to film scores. It was always like, oh, what are you listening to now? And everyone would be like, it's not indie music. It's a film score. <laughs> it's a film score. <laughs> I'm the same. If people look at my um, like iPhone or stuff like that, like, why don't you have popular music? What is going on here? <laughs> it's I literally listen to me. film scores. I'm sorry. <laughs> literally me. I have like four different playlists. I have like childhood throwback scores, like, avant-garde <laughs> scores, like classic favorites. Crazy. Yeah. yeah, we're all obsessed. It's great. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you have this amazing toolbox, which is your voice. I mean, you have, I've told you this before, but just one of the most amazing voices I've ever heard. I love your voice. Um, Seriously beautiful voice. And maybe we should just plug your website right now so people can like, (laughs) we give them permission to pause and go and listen. It's nogorotum.com, right? Yeah, Yeah. nogorotum.com. So everyone, yeah, go take a listen there. But I love, you know, in addition to being like a a session artist that you also include it in your own scores and your Mm -hmm. own, obviously, compositions as well. So what's it like including that into into your music? Like, what's your process like? And what's is there, like, a decision behind it? Is it for texture? Is it for melody? Is it for both? Or, you know, yeah, just Good a little question. insight behind it. So for me, vocals is a personal way of expressing myself without being uh, a fantastic instrumentalist. I mean, I'm, I'm a pianist, but I'm not. I'm great, but not incredible. I'm fine. <laughs> I, can, I can, you know, dabble. Um, <laughs> And, and vocals for me was always very personal. I remember um, growing up in the States, uh, my music teacher said, oh, you have such a lovely voice. And that's kind of the indication at the beginning. If you don't go off pitch, you have a lovely voice as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, yeah, thank you. But my mom's a singer, so I'll stick to piano. Um, and then it became, I, it, I just started gravitating towards it. I chose my choir and then I it opened up a new world for me because we mm-hmm. sang in 20 different languages and so many different genres and styles yeah. and uh, with orchestras and with different instruments in general. Um, and it became very personal because this is my way of expressing myself. And when I write as well, I a lot of times dabble on the piano, but I a lot improvise as well with my voice. Mm-hmm. It's become kind of my first instrument um, mm-hmm. throughout the years more than piano um, as a composer. Mm-hmm. And then implementing it, it's usually if it works and if the story needs vocals. So anything that is more personal and more um, human, mm-hmm. I would usually want to incorporate uh, a bit of choir or solo on top, um, something that isn't truly intrusive, unless it's a place where you can be a bit more lavish. Um, and it's very emotional. Um, the way, I, at least, I like to incorporate vocals in, in a score they also kind of touch touch the chords, the, the emotional chords. Mm-hmm. Um, Took out the heartstrings. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love how yeah. you 
how you elaborated a little bit on that like distinction with the, that human element is when you like to bring in voices. I, I'd be curious to know if you have other instruments that you lean towards or other kind of sounds you lean towards for other, I don't know, maybe like moments. Like I, I watched one of your films that was on your website and I loved how you used, I think it was percussion instruments for little like the character for Bobo the falls down and it had little like accents to it. Um, how do you go through that decision process, like deciding, I guess, marrying action or movement to, to music? Well, we need you need to kind of start more Mickey Mousing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all, that's the concept of following the uh, the action that is on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, you start thinking of how you would sound like. And you can, <laughs> I love that. If you fall, or like, what would you do, and how would it, would it sound? <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah. um, so this is again me using my voice, kind of going. <laughs> so, um, and then going, okay, what? How can I translate it to an instrument? So, a xylophone is a good way of kind of having the percussive, yeah. but still um, with a bit of a pitch. So that when it comes to Mickey Mousing, and also different horns and stuff like that with falls, especially. Mm-hmm. Mm. All those slides, yeah, yeah. Uh, they work very, very well. So it's it's very much what I've experienced as a child, mm-hmm. whether watching Looney Tunes or Tom and Jerry on all those kind of Mickey Mousing shows. Um, so that's my inspiration for the most part. With but it it starts with me being very weird in my home and just <laughs> kind of mimicking the action and seeing what comes out. Yeah, I remember when I first met you. You mentioned like you're really into animation and like really getting into that. So what what draws you to that? We just talked about like Mickey Mousing and everything. So are there other aspects of composing or animation that really draw you to that medium? There's I feel like with animation there's slightly more freedom when it comes to composition. Um, not not that I'm the composer that needs to show all my talents all the time um, because I'm very much what the story needs. This is what I'll do. But with animation, I think as a child, I was so drawn to these animations that I kind of want to create that for newer generations. Um, how beautiful the music is and how emotional the music is um, and, and touching and moving and moves the action forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's very expressive and I just love that. And I'm very orchestral drawn. Uh, yeah. Group yeah, backstages sure. of opera houses. Um, so cool. I, I loved that yeah. this is kind of Disney DreamWorks more leaning towards still using orchestral. They do have a lot of synth space, mm-hmm. but um, they they also have a lot of orchestration uh, involved. And yeah, it's very magical. There's something about the magic yeah. of animation that I just yeah, yeah. love. I think animation is magical, and it, it's it's great when you're talking to like adults because I think when I was growing up I was so self-conscious about still liking cartoons when I was like 13 and everybody else was like oh my god uh uh what was that show oh my god like uh I'm totally forgetting it was some stupid it was some like teen wolf type like gossip girl type show okay but all the you know everyone was like oh yeah these and I was like oh but I still like watching I don't know you know cartoons and (laughs) <laughs> I think it's something there's what you're saying also how you introduce yourself like you are quite imaginative I mean that comes clear just from how you're speaking about your work and I think that that's really great I guess I would be wondering what is like your dream movie or maybe project in terms of um 
like composition and also including like your work and um i guess maybe more like genre specific what are you interested in because animation can be quite broad and Right. With the animation specifically, what I love is more the the adventure-driven, the magical influences. Um, it could be also action-based. Whether if, if looking at more recent work, Inside Out is so beautifully done, and mm. Soul that came out, um, you kind of, you're, it's adult and children-driven. And I think that I love that combination, that you can enjoy it both as an adult and as a child. Um, Frozen as well is very magical. Um, so th those kind of genres, How to Train Your Dragon is one of my favorite non-Disney animation films. So DreamWorks did a fantastic job with it. It might be one of the best movies ever made. Just so. uh, For sure. <laughs> I, I left the cinema looking at my yeah. husband going, I want that dragon. This is what I want. I want a dragon like this. <laughs> Make it happen. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, th this is what I love about the animation. It's not... Not that I don't like children-based animation and mm -hmm. the Mickey Mousing aspect, but I do prefer kind of more um, the adult animation, I guess, right. in, in some way. But other genres in general, like fantasy and sci-fi mm -hmm. and drama um, and action, thriller. I would love to do horror because I can, I can yeah. do the music, but I'm terrified. So <laughs> I get super scared very easily. Um, yeah. But horror is also, especially horror is a genre that if you don't have the music, yeah, it's not doesn't that matter. scary. I've been able to watch on mute of films like right. that, just kind of going, okay, it's not too bad. Right, uh, but right. the music freaks you out. Um, yeah, without the music on, like you become much more aware of the filmmaker and the director, I think, mm -hmm. and everyone else's craft. But the music kind of, like you said earlier, like the glue, it kind of like puts that final sheen over it and you're not as aware. Like it, You're more immersed in the entire production. So without it, you're more like, oh, there's a close-up. There's a exactly. <laughs> there's a light doing there's, something. There's a there's a quick quick shot back to the door. Yeah, What's but... happening to the door? And the light yeah, flickering. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel like yeah, if we're part of the, I'm I'm very similar. Like I I I like experimenting with those scores and I like listening to them. But I'm terrified of horror movies. But I feel like if you're part of the process, hopefully it might be less scary by the time like you're like in the end stages of writing the film that you could watch it all the way through. I don't know. <laughs> I'm hoping, although I was I was at Berkeley, I was writing a short thriller, uh -huh. right, scoring a short thriller, and a friend of mine, I was working in the studios, and a friend of mine just kind of leaned on the on the glass of the studio, oh, and I was just listening back to what I'd written, and it was a very tense scene, and I went, huh! and completely jumped out of my chair because I just saw him in the, the corner of my eye. Like, oh, yeah, oh, my yeah, yeah. Completely freaked out. Anything else I would have been doing, I would have been fine. Been mm -hmm, funny, mm -hmm, the name mm -hmm. Yeah, man, you gotta love your friends, but also. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we talked a lot about your composition work, but I'd be interested to hear more about like your vocal work and what it's like to come in as like a like a vocalist on a song and work not as the composer or as conducting because you do conduct as well, right? I do, but I mostly. I do it for myself to mm -hmm, kind of mm -hmm. get over my nerves of conducting my own pieces. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty awesome. I can't even... <laughs> I see... Rebecca conducted for the like when we were in high school for the first time, and I remember I, I went with my friend, and we had little posters. It was like a real, like... We were at this <laughs> big concert, and everybody else was like, this is a high school show, Kara. And I was like, no. Um, very but supportive. It's, it's amazing. 
Um, Rebecca and I go way back. Uh, but <laughs> I was I was wondering, like, what – obviously, it's been a huge part of your life. So what was the first project that you did? Did you feel like you had, you had to choose between vocalization and composing track at all, ever? When did you decide, like, no, I'm going to do both? Yeah, I guess I was wondering about that. I think I felt a bit like I had to choose between the two. Because mm-hmm. um, when I decided to major um, in film scoring at Berkeley, yeah. I, I thought at first I would do a double major in performance. Mm-hmm. But then I went, you know what? Maybe let's focus more on film composition because as a singer, I'm already well-established and I know how to train myself and kind of yeah. work on my own voice after many, many years of vocal training. Yeah. Um, but a few years ago, I kind of went, you know what? I just don't want to give it up. I mm-hmm. love doing both. I, very early on, I kind of went, not the performer kind of type of singer. Um, yeah, I love yeah. performing and I do enjoy it, but it's I'm not aspiring to become, you know, Adele or right. Beyonce or Billie Eilish. Yeah. Um, and I love being in a recording studio. And that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of my second or maybe first love because I love recording my own music in a recording studio as well. Yeah. Um, which so, you did a lot of over like the past year, which is really cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got to record a lot at home, and I got to record um, as well a few times in uh, Air Studios and Abbey Road, which was yeah. incredible. That's awesome. As a singer, and I love recording other people's music just because mm-hmm. it gives you kind of more. You you go into it with ease because it's not your own. Yeah, <laughs> I know I can do this. I'm a singer. Yeah. This is fine. When you're a composer going into a recording session, you're crunching time and things yeah. are gonna not work and you're you're the one who's you know in control of everything maybe you need yeah. a change in note here and as a singer you're kind of like tell me what to do I'll do it yeah. it's fine yeah, yeah. um and I love kind of getting inspired by other people's work uh, mm-hmm. I recorded for Rachel Portman last year wow so I asked her to be my mentor through the Royal College of Music and I did mm-hmm. one of the courses at, at RCM mm-hmm. and she agreed is incredible and I got to show her not only my compositional skills but also my vocal skills and she went oh this is great I don't know a lot of session singers so great a few months (laughs) later she uh, calls me up and says would you mind recording a choir for me for one of the demos that I'm doing at the moment uh, for a Disney film and I showed her that I can also create a full choir with my voice Mm -hmm. Um, so I can do soprano mezzo alto and I, I pushed my my vocals to tenor as well. Yeah, nice. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, and I, I said, yeah, of course. So yeah, right. I went <laughs> to Portman Calls. For free, like, yes. you know, I don't even need to pay. Yeah, I'll do whatever you want. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I did that. And then a few weeks later, she called me for another cue. And I just love it. Music was so beautiful and so yeah. magical. And of course, it's a Disney Christmas film. It's supposed to be. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and after a few months, I kind of went, oh, I wish she would invite me to the recording session and she did and wow. I got I got a call saying you know from the contractor saying you know, Rachel Porman asked me to call you and invite you to the recording session um, and through her I got to work with Rob Johnson who is RSVP Voices contractor and conductor and singer himself which is amazing He's yeah. such a lovely tenor and lovely person and yeah I got to record for Godmothered which was her score last year for Disney and we got to record twice in Air Studios and Abbey Road, and then I got to record with Biffy Clyro as well wow. uh, through Rob, um, which is amazing. Uh, they did a collaboration with Amazon Music. They recorded an or- orchestral version of Space. It's mm. such a beautiful song. I never, gotta be honest, I'd never heard of the band before. 
Mm-hmm. My friends did, and they kind of went, oh, they're, they're, they're a thing. They're, yeah. <laughs> and I went, oh, okay. It's <laughs> Sorry. It's the, it's the film music on the phone. I know. That's really yeah. all we listen to. It's <laughs> terrible. I go, oh, okay. It took me, I think, a year to, I knew the song, uh, was it Bad Guy? Uh, mm-hmm. Billie Eilish's song? Yeah, I knew yeah, the yeah. song, but everyone's like, Billie Eilish, Billie Eilish. Who's Billie Eilish? I, <laughs> I feel very embarrassed now to say that, but no. Um, so yeah, that was it was a lot of fun just recording in the studio, kind of going. I love recording with a choir. It's yeah. fun doing it myself, but I love recording with a choir. It's so much yeah. more fun. What's the element that working? I mean, I would like. I'd be interested to know what it's like for you working on a project by yourself, where you do everything, versus working with others. What? what what are the different like tools or aspects that you use for either setting? So when I work alone, I use my software and my sample libraries mm-hmm. and my voice, which is the only instrument that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's fun. It's interesting to kind of be by yourself and experiment and see mm-hmm. all the things. And especially when I need to combine synths and stuff like that, I kind of go, okay, click one yeah. one key and go, <laughs> what's the sound? And, um, so the... The exploring aspect is very interesting. But you yeah. do that anyway, whether you collaborate with someone or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I prefer to collaborate with people. Mm-hmm. I just, there's something about not sitting alone and thinking of everything um, and also experiencing their take on it as well, mm-hmm. especially with instrumentalists. Because you go, okay, I need a cello solo here. Mm-hmm. And as much as I can, I can sing the melody and then write it down and then give it to a cello player, for sure they can come up with something that works better with the bowing or with with the notes um, that I couldn't because I'm not a cello player and I've never played any string instruments. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, piano, but... eh. (laughs) (laughs) Debatable. (laughs) Um, It's not the same. It's not a bowing string. Um, So, yeah, there is something about just collaborating with other people... Um, and especially instrumentalists that I love. And I think a lot of composers do that for the most part, especially when you need a solo. Mm-hmm. You need a solo, you kind of go, this is my music, this is the orchestration. Improvise, see what you come up with. And this is what I do as a singer as well. Um, and it's, it's magical, you know, kind of the connection between the composer and, and the performer. Mm-hmm. Um, they can bring something else to the table that you probably couldn't, uh, mm-hmm. or maybe you could, but maybe not as fluent, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's the thing is, like, they know their instrument the best and they know their capabilities the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can bring so much to the table in that collaboration. And exactly. Yeah. I love that process. It's great. What was it like for you to transition between um, prior to COVID and now in COVID? And how has that affected your work so far? I mean, you got to do, you had this amazing opportunity that you just spoke about being a session singer for a Disney score. Um, but what was it like at the beginning and kind of combating being isolated? Um, well, fortunately I live with my husband, so Mm -hmm, I wasn't mm -hmm. completely alone, Mm -hmm, but that was also an adjustment. Fortunately it was a quick adjustment. We realized how well we work together when we're just stuck in one room. Because you never know. It's it's a make it or break it kind of right. Thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so and you know we were both stuck at home, both uh, working in separate rooms. Unfortunately, we had a living room and a bedroom to work in separate rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
but it was it was interesting at first I kind of went okay this is a bit concerned and for the most part because it was my second year at, at RCM yeah. I felt a bit devastated that this was my last year and especially with Rebecca and in, in your year um, it takes time to build relationships with people yeah. so the first term or semester um, you kind of get to know the people and people are a bit shy, especially yeah. the first years. You kind of don't know if you can approach the second years. Like that. <laughs> yeah. The first year myself, I, I know that experience um, very well. Um, but then, you know, you kind of warm up um, and you get to know people. And then the second term is the one term that you kind of go, okay, we know everyone. This is fun. Let's yeah. get together. Let's hang out. Let's meet up. Um, let's collaborate. And we just didn't have that. And I feel, I felt very sad about that. I kind of, I I mean, the graduation thing, sure, okay, I didn't go to my graduation. It wasn't a big deal. It was more about the the people that I just didn't get to know as much as I wanted to get to know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Being at home, it didn't really affect me that much just because Mm -hmm. my work in general is at home. I'm stuck at home in front of the computer. Nothing really changed. There were so many jokes about that online, kind of like the poser <laughs> versus everyone else. They're kind of like, well, nothing changed, so we're still home. Yeah. Um, yep. So in that sense, it was it was fine, and I'm I try to be very optimistic and you know think yeah. positively. So I kind of yeah. went, okay, this is this is what it is. I need to transition, and I feel very lucky and fortunate that I have a roof over my head and I have mm-hmm. food on the table, and my husband wasn't furloughed and. And we can kind of cope with everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, we got sick, um, mm-hmm. which was, uh, we were, again, very fortunate. It was not uh, very difficult. It was mm-hmm. flu-like symptoms. My husband had a bit worse than I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got vaccinated af- afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was a lot of self-reflection. Of okay, so what now? What happens if things change? Um, how long will it be? Kind of was so unknown, so many questions. Um, yeah, I think that that was the point where I kind of went, Okay, this is the time for me to work on my singing more Mm -hmm. because I don't know how many film productions and TV productions are going to happen, and especially me being still a student, I don't know how many work opportunities I'm going to get. Yeah, um, so I I made the most out out of it, and eventually. I got those session session gigs, and that was amazing. Yeah, I, I love that you shared your music so much. It was something I really looked forward to. And you did all these Disney covers, too, which I loved, of course. Um, and you released also this song that you were working on for your Women in Music module um, mm-hmm. for your recital part, recital part in quotation mm-hmm. marks, but <laughs> it's this gorgeous piece entitled Hopeful Horizons. Yeah. Um, and you're you know melding together your two backgrounds western and eastern and you're singing in it and it is just so stunning um like one of my favorite pieces of yours um so what's it I guess kind of like also tying back into composition what was it like kind of melding those two worlds together is that Mm -hmm. something you like to do stylistically um and yeah it was just an insight on that process (laughs) I I love that I love combining the two I think that's one of the things that makes me different and I think a lot of times as a composer you try and find what makes you a bit more unique because for the most part what, what I can do Rebecca you can do as a composer um let's be honest um yeah, yeah, yeah. and then it's it's just about finding that 
whether it's a unique voice, it doesn't have to be, but it, mm-hmm. it's either a unique voice or a unique style or something that makes you different than someone else. And mm-hmm. coming from Israel and having a bit more of a Middle Eastern background, um, it kind of helped me to mesh that with the Western world orchestra. And I've been exposed to more Western music rather than Middle Eastern, but just by living in a Middle Eastern country, um, you get really exposed to it very quickly. And there's something very emotional about the Middle Eastern chants or world music in general, kind of mm-hmm. someone like Enya with Adiemus or uh, Lisa Gerard from Gladiator. Mm-hmm. Those kind of styles, I kind of go, yeah, this is, I can do this. Yeah, I love doing this. Uh, so incorporating that style into my compositions was something that I really loved doing and I um, want to continue doing that when needed, again, uh, for films and stuff. Yeah. It's really stirring. You said uh, Lisa Gerard, and like you remind me so much of of her as well. But I mean, also obviously you are your own person. But I, you did uh, a Gladiator cover, and I was like, "Damn, this is so freaking good!" <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, I felt like I was watching the film and like listening to the OST. It's fine. Um, Thank you. That's anyway. a huge compliment. Fantastic singer. <laughs> She is, yeah, but so are you, and it's so, your music is just so uniquely you, and yeah, finding your own, even if it's not your own voice or style, even your own approach to your music, you know, um, that sets you apart. Um, Yeah, really solid. Um, Well, kind of like tying into that question, you've lived in some really cool areas of the world. You, you know, lived in Israel, and then Boston, and London, I think i remember you saying you lived somewhere in like the pacific northwest at one point i think unless i'm making that up no no i i lived in Portland, oregon as, <laughs> oh as nice well. yeah. yeah yeah cool cool um if you don't mind like how did all of these you know places that you live tie into maybe you as who you are as a person how did they affect you stylistically uh in your music if at all i started first grade in the states so i was mm. roughly six and i it was a complete culture shock because first of all, I didn't know a lot of English when I started at the age of five to learn, I kind of went, okay, colors, numbers, animals, you go to first grade, you realize you do not know how to communicate anything at all. That is, you know, I'm thirsty, I'm hungry. I want to go to the bathroom. Um, so that was a, a bit of, um, an interesting experience for me. Um, but that being said, you adapt very quickly. And that's one thing that I, I realize that I do have because of it, that I no matter where I move, uh, whether it's location-wise or um, if I need to learn new things, I'm sometimes a bit kind of like, oh, I want to stay in my comfort zone. But eventually I will push myself into going, okay, you need to step out of your comfort zone. If it'll take you a year, fine. I'll process it, you know, whatever it is that I need to do. And then I'll start pushing myself out of my comfort zone. But I always do that. For me, moving from Israel after going back to Israel from the States, then deciding to move by myself to Berkeley and to Boston. Um, I was huge out of my comfort zone. This is not something that I enjoy doing every time. And then moving again to London. and it's Because it takes at least a year to get used to whatever it is that you're transitioning into. Yeah. Um, especially when you're moving around. So it's always kind of that experience made me a bit more accepting of the concept of putting myself out there and taking myself out of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Um, And also 
characteristically wise, I feel like I'm, I have a bit of American in me, which is a good thing. Um, <laughs> cause as, as Israelis, we we're very warm and we're open and, uh, we're fun and, you know, a bit, a bit of, a bit like Latin blood in that sense. Yeah. Um, but it can, it has also some slightly less great, um, qualities and having that mesh of more polite and a bit more reserved and more kind of as a listener aspect, especially where I lived, it's not everyone in the States like that, but, um, it kind of gave me a, a good balance of knowing when to be a bit more fire and then knowing when to be a bit more calm and mellow and, mm-hmm. and a bit more polite in that sense. Cause Israelis, we can kind of go like, ah, and just whatever, whatever we think comes <laughs> out and we immediately say it and we, we interrupt and we don't mean it in any, like any malicious way, but it's kind of right. like we think we say, um, so and where I grew was a bit more reserved and more calm, and um, so that that really helped me kind of forge myself as someone who's very international, mm-hmm. um, and it also made me love languages mm-hmm. because of it. Um, so I speak Spanish as well. My mom is Argentinian, oh. and she never spoke with us with my brother and I. So I decided at eleven, I went, you know what? I want to understand you guys. You're always speaking above our heads in Spanish. I <laughs> yeah. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. so I did, and I'm learning French now. And and ah, très um, bien. Ah, tu parles? Ah oui, oui, je parle français. Ah, très bien. <laughs> je parle un petit peu. Je comprends. Mais non, ah, excellent. Oui, 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 oui. <laughs> je, je parle français pas. Et, et, et um, j'étais uh, prof de professeur de français euh, oh, wow. pendant la pandémie hmm. peut-être euh, quatre mois anyway wow that's wow, <laughs> beautiful that's great ah, merci <laughs> I mean I, I can understand again and then I, I go <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know it's it's interesting like I what I found was when I was a French teacher my French got exponentially better because suddenly there were like ch- students looking up at me being like, hey, teach us how to speak French. And I was like, well, shit. <laughs> you know, like, gotta do it. Um, anyway. It's always like that. I found, um, I in Israel, military service is a compulsory service. So I yeah. served for two years and I was a medic. Uh-huh. And during that time, I, I also started training first aid and commanders mm-hmm. and officers preparation courses. Mm-hmm. And I found that the more I trained them in first aid, and I, yeah. obviously I can handle more than first aid as a medic, but the, the basic of it is first aid. And the more I handled it and the more I taught it, the more I kind of went, okay, this is, I got this. Yeah. I know this in and out. Um, yeah. So you always learn more when you, when you, when you teach. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That's, you have such a like complex <laughs> life. It's awesome. It's awesome to hear all these different backgrounds too and, and how they, weave into your story when you were talking about your love for language and and how you balance your more like Israeli side with your more American side I feel like that's in your music as well where you're where you're where you're balancing the more calm aspects in films and then you know building up to something really big and then coming back down from it it's totally apparent to me which is awesome I I think it's wonderful being able to have listened to your work and also now I get to talk to you. It's great. <laughs> I love thank this you. podcast for this reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you guys have an amazing podcast. Seriously. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for thank having you. me on this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I oh, listened gosh. to a few of your interviews and I was like, wow, this is this is good. And, oh. I, and I have to say, I, I am very, uh, I'm a very visual person. So uh-huh. I prefer reading more yeah, than listening, yeah. um, which is strange as a musician. 
but <laughs> I um, but I loved listening to your podcast. Oh, oh thank yeah, you. It's really good. Oh, I'll listen tomorrow. So yeah. Oh, thank yeah. you so much. That means so that much. Means a lot. Does yeah. yeah. I'm so glad that you're on it now. It's so cool. We I'm literally like, <laughs> it was March. We were talking about who do we want to have on? And Rebecca's like, we have to have Noga and we have to have Noga on. So it's awesome. I'm so happy. To it's been here. it's yeah, it's been months since then, but I'm yeah, I'm yeah. glad we finally made it happen. Um yeah. I'm interested to know like, do you have any other hobbies or inspirations mm. outside of music? And like, you know, how do they you know, how do they help you balance your life as, you know, with your busy schedule as a composer yeah. and, you know, session singer and voice artist and everything? Yeah, of course. Uh, good question. I have hobbies. I love reading. I love sketching. Um, my main kind of more interesting thing, I guess, is I do aerial hoop and pole Whoa. dancing. Cool. 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 Um, as kind of exercise and also yeah, it's like just, super physical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I love it. I um, yeah, I've been doing it for a very long time. Unfortunately, COVID kind of stopped everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of my my go to more interesting side of of what I do. Um, yeah, that's great. As as a hobby. Yeah, um, yeah I love horseback sad. riding, archery. Mm-hmm. I have I have oh, very cool. strange strange hobbies i don't get to do them as much uh although with uh aerial hoop and pole i did get to do a lot um and everywhere i go it's like israel I, I found one in boston i found one here in london um but yeah i have um i have a condition a genetic condition called eds i was finally diagnosed with it a few months ago and what it means is um it's the on a spectrum of hypermobility. it's the worst <laughs> it's the more severe one and um, that the, this is why I actually do a lot of exercise and mm-hmm. um, a lot of these kind of more acrobatical. I also do bouldering and cl- boulder wow. climbing. Wow! Yeah, amazing! Um, wow! <laughs> so <laughs> I need I need to move all the time and yeah. physical therapy and um, now with I don't know if you guys have it, but I bought my husband for his birthday Oculus Quest, the VR. Um, oh yeah my boyfriend ha- my boyfriend's roommate has one they're incredible it's yeah, amazing yeah, yeah. i work out with these i kind of go okay <laughs> my awesome. physiotherapy is let's face it it's not fun um right. yeah but then know. i kind of go okay i need a bit more cardio now that i'm not doing anything else because we're still i mean we're out and about but you're still kind of more it, at home. right it's not right yeah so i kind of go okay i need i need a bit of cardio i'll start playing games there's one called synth writer it's with music yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. with lights and stuff so you move and jump and it's awesome so. <laughs> that's great that's, that's great i wonder do you think that maybe this is a question for both of you as composers yourselves but like how does is vr changing sound space at all like I know visually it's a huge conversation and it's like all over the place people have their own opinions about it but what about music like how I don't know is there like do you have to think differently for a three-dimensional space at all or is it just you want to answer that I honestly I have no clue I feel like that's probably a better question for like a sound engineer who Mm. like maybe Mm. I have no idea honestly I mean, I would assume so, like, that it's probably, you know, would change and that, you know, people will always try to push boundaries no matter what. But I personally have absolutely no idea. <laughs> I've never, like, even, like, put a VR thing on. <laughs> so, like, I really have no idea. I think there is maybe a bit to consider as a composer, uh-huh. but 
from what I've heard so far with using uh, Oculus Quest, mm-hmm. I I don't see that there's still kind of a pushing point where you kind of you really need to think 360. Mm-hmm. Um, because no matter what you do, it seems like the music moves with you. Whereas oh, there okay. are there are vi- YouTube videos of if you put like really good headset, yeah, yeah. Um, you can hear that it just jumps all over the place. Oh, wow. So you do have that kind of experience of experiencing 360 music mm-hmm. and really hearing it, how it moves around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm assuming that there is some point where VR will also go that way, mm-hmm. but it, it, I don't know if the composer will be affected by mm-hmm. it. I think the audio engineers and sound designers mm-hmm. and stuff like that will be more... more as, active, you'll give yeah. them stems where you kind of go with this is the strings this is the drums this is um you know percussion this is the woodwinds and then they'll maybe kind of play with with a space with your music yeah i I guess i hope so as well because i'm terrible at these things so (laughs) no it's just just, also just an interesting question i don't know i just never thought about it until you until you brought it up um i wanted to backtrack a little bit there i i would like to hear Maybe not. You don't need to speak about the project that you um, have separated ways from just recently. But mm-hmm. what, what I guess maybe in general, more like, how do you approach something where you know like this isn't the right fit? How do you? Mm-hmm. What is for you? A, well, one, what are some of the indicators for you? It can be general, and then mm-hmm. how do you navigate? You know, saying thank you but no thanks. I think there is a conception when you're starting out, you always have to say yes to everything because it's for experience and to show everyone that you can do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And everyone does their own thing. If you want to be a jack of all trades, which I, again, I don't think is bad because I'm a composer, I'm a session singer, I'm a voice artist. I am a bit of that. Yeah. Um, if you want to do that, that's great. Uh, I have come to realize that these are my strengths and I, I will expand them as much as I can. And maybe since it's not my strength, but I am expanding into it a bit more because it's very, it's, it's really needed. Um, yeah. But you don't really have scores now without any kind of electronic music yeah. a bit. It doesn't have yeah. to be EDM, but it's a bit of pads and stuff like that. So I do use that. Saying, but saying no is not a bad thing. I think if you look at it this way, you kind of go, Say no to something because one, probably something better is gonna come, mm-hmm. but it's very nerve wracking when you're starting out saying no. It's like, oh, I'm not gonna, you know, provide for myself, yeah. and I'm never gonna get any more projects. They won't want to work with me again. Um, mm-hmm. I was very fortunate with this specific film that I had to say, you know, mm-hmm. this is not a good fit. This is a producer that I've already worked with twice in mm-hmm. Israel, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I went immediately when I finished working on one film, he immediately approached me and said, you know, we've been working on this film. I'd love to have you on board. It's a different style. And I went, okay, so I would love to, but I will be the first person to tell you if I'm not the right fit for it, I will tell you this. Mm. So just bear in mind. Um, and that's, that's how he ended things. And he sent me the film. The film is fantastic. And which is another kind of going, you're going, oh, I really want to do this. Yeah. But if you're if you're thinking about the film and who is best to serve it, and I go, yeah. you know what? I don't think it's me, um, and it's okay. And it's actually better because he went, you know, I truly appreciate it. I would love to work with you on an, another project that I have, mm-hmm. um, and that and that's how you get more work because you're you're real and you're human, and yeah. you tell people, you know, I can't do everything, and it's okay. 
Um, so I, I think that's a bit my my approach with yeah. with saying no. And it's it, it has it, when you you decline a project, it's a number of things. It's either it's out of your comfort zone. Time wise, it's impossible. Sure. Um, yeah. I've I've had to decline another film that again, f- very famous actors in Israel, and I kind of went, oh man, I really want to do this, and it's a really really strong film, but his demands were unfeasible. It's just yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is not happening. Yeah. Um, time budget as well. Uh, yeah. I I will accept lower budget um, on a project if it's my s- strength. If, yeah, if it's orchestral choir, I can, right. it's easy. I, yeah. I'll be fine. I don't need a bigger budget. Right. Um, but when it comes to things that I'm not um, very strong and very good at, I need more time, and it's a lot of time that I'm spending on it. And instead yeah. of that, I could be spending it on expanding myself as a brand, um, yep. uh, business strategies, and things like that that you don't really think about when you're a composer because when you're comp- composing, you kind of want, I want to do this. This is what I want to do, and that's it. I want to focus on music, but you need to think about yourself as a brand and as a business and think a bit more um, on the financial aspects as well and things that you're not really like inclined or want to deal with as well. So when you say no, it's, it's, it frees your time as well to do other things and, Mm -hmm. um, and you're open to other offers. Yeah. Thank Thank you. you. I think that's really a great way of talking about it too because it can be so scary especially like you said when you're starting out and being stuck kind of like thinking oh god I gotta do everything um but also being really like like well-rounded like you're saying I think it's appreciate I appreciate your advice I mean think about it this way if you're not if if you're putting work out there that you're Mm -hmm. not happy about right then you're stuck with this as this being Whatever, whatever project it is, whether it's you as a director, as a, as if you produce yeah. as well, if you write, um, or us as composers, we kind of go, well, you know what? I don't really like it, but they gave me money and I did the job and now it's out there and everyone can, if you Google yeah. Rebecca, if you Google Cara and you kind of go, oh man, this is out there. <laughs> they're seeing this and it's not Her that great sucks. <laughs> yeah and oh this God. is what people because people don't know you they they right. know you from google you know right right so right. it's another kind of way of thinking about it saying no to things that maybe you weren't the best fit for it and yeah. that's even better because then either you have time to work on that craft specifically if you do want it in, in the future or you kind of go well it's, it's not my, one of my interests or one of my strengths i'm good Solid it. advice, really yeah, solid really advice. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. when you get in, get into your thirties, you kind of go, "Yeah, I'm a bit more." <laughs> There's something steadier about thirty. I'm thirty-one, and it's, mm-hmm. I don't feel old, but I'm kind of like, "Yeah." Like, turn turning thirty is like a tipping point. It's it's oh, very interesting. That is um, interesting. And I spoke with Mike, uh, our professor at RCM, uh-huh. and he went, "You know what?" Because he's a year younger than me, and he went. Everyone told me, you get to 30, and then something happens. And I'm like, ah, you know, you're just a year older than me. You're just two years older than me. Don't, don't BS. And then he went, oh, then you get to your 29, 30? Yep, something, something shifts. <laughs> um, Man. That's so interesting. Something I, to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, have a, I have a cousin who is now in his 40s, but he was, he, we were at... <laughs> We were um, last last summer. It was just a few of us in the family. We were at a, at like um, my cousin's 
uh, beach property and we were sitting around the campfire having a good time. He goes, you know what? It just hits you different when you're 32. And I was like, thanks, Rudy. <laughs> you know, like, thank you. <laughs> Great advice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It is that way, yeah. Yeah. But that's, I mean, I don't know. I just, I just feel like, I don't really know what I was going to say. I was going to say there's something so great about the future and the prospects of the future and, and continuing to grow and keep going. And Yeah, yeah it's about, I think I it's it. about enjoying the journey, which yeah. for the most part, people, including myself, struggle with. I'm like, mm. this is where I want to go. I am going there. Mm. And you're not thinking about what steps you did to get to that point eventually. Mm. Mm. Um, and and then you look back and go, ah, I should have enjoyed it a bit more. It's really fun. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's fun growing up. It's it's yeah. fun looking at everything and enjoying the moment and being a bit more mindful yeah. um, to your present self. Mm. Mm. I love how you say that. I love how you say that. I think it's especially um, important for like the year and a half everyone's kind of just gone through too, kind of coming to appreciate more of what's immediately around you. What's maybe right. more sacred in that sense, like what you can, for lack of a better term, fall back on. Then you're not falling back on anything, but just for me, it's strengthened knowing. It strengthened my understanding of what is around me there. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I mean, thank you so much. This has been an amazing conversation. I it's so nice to meet you finally. Rebecca said so many beautiful <laughs> things. Like I'm like it's <laughs> Noga. We have to have Noga. Um, <laughs> We would Thank just, you. yeah, we would just love it if you could sign off mm-hmm. and say your name again and where people can find you and your music, your website, all that kind of, all that jazz. Yeah. Okay. So I am Noga Rotem and thank you for having me. My website is uh, nogarotem.com and I'm Noga Rotem Music on Instagram. Definitely check Noga out. <laughs> yes. Thank you. And we'll have everything as always linked in our description box. Wow, that was incredible, Noga. Thank you so much for being here. It was such an honor speaking to you. And like we've said before, it's a long time coming. So yeah, it's been great. Absolutely. Um, if you're interested in learning more about Noga and listening to some of her work, which we definitely recommend. Go do um, it right now. Yeah, go do it right now. Her website is nogorotem.com and you can find her on Instagram at nogorotemmusic, N-O-G-A-R-O-T-E-M. You know, what's really great about Noga's website is that uh, she breaks it down by the compositions that she's done and her vocalists and her other work. So it's it's really comprehensive portfolio. So if you like the show and you would like to come on as a featured artist, you can always email us at thepodcastimperfect at gmail.com or you can write to us on our website, which is thepodcastimperfect.com where we'll have, where you can find more stuff about our artists and um, about the show in general. Uh, if you can also, of course, DM us on Instagram at the podcast imperfect. And uh, if you're interested in following your co-hosts, you can follow me, Kara, at Quiet Open Space, all one word. And you can follow me, Rebecca, at Rebecca Nisco Music. Thank you again to Noga for coming on the show. And thank yeah. you to you, all of our listeners, for listening. Again, we're just really overwhelmed by all of the support and all of the uh, and your the positivity, yeah, yeah and everyone's yeah. feedback. It's been so it's so nice hearing from um, everyone, and we love getting comments and um, yeah. suggestions and feedback and all that stuff. So, 
Yeah. We look forward to it. Um, if you have any ideas for how you'd like to, what you'd like to, who you'd like to see on the show or anything like that, have any recommendations, drop us a line. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I hope you have a wonderful worldly day. Can you say that? It's a very international kind of day. <laughs> <laughs> Celebrating being part of the world. I don't know. Yeah. 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 I love that. Have a very yeah. worldly day. <laughs> worldly day. <laughs>